0: Welcome to the Healthy Beasts. I'm very honoured to be joined today by a jiu-jitsu grandmaster, Mauricio Gomez. Now your jiu-jitsu pedigree is second to none. You were one of a very small handful of black belts under Holes Gracie, one of the greatest of all time. And you've got a famous student or two of your own, most notably, of course, your son, Roger Gracie Gomez, greatest jiu-jitsu competitor of all time. So it's it's a great honour to have you in the studio. And of course, I want to talk about jiu-jitsu, but can I ask you one question to start with? Is it true that you once worked as a translator for the Dalai Lama?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I got a job in the State Congress, and I worked there for years. And one of these years, there was a convention in the in the Congress and with all the spiritual leaders, and Dalai Lama was there. And I was his translator. I became friends with his security and all that. And I made, I made the, the most terrible mistake of my entire life <laughs> in the end of the thing we got to know each other and, and we were kind of talking and uh, I mean th- thank you for everything and I touched the guy's arm man, <laughs> Jesus Christ.
0: Oh so no one's allowed oh, to touch him right? Yeah, no,
1: of course not, you don't touch it. no <laughs> that was a, that was an awful mistake but you have to understand that uh, put into context where Brazilians are very touchy we we hug each other a lot. We kiss. We hug. We that's very normal for us. That's why I think jiu jitsu came so natural in 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 Brazil. And there was this massive difference when I came here to start teaching. People had Bruce Lee tattoos on his arms, and everything was uh, no contact. And, and it was quite uh, an experience having to change that mentality. All right, now we're grabbing. Now we're holding now we're taking down there's sweating on top of you and uncomfortableness <laughs> it's part of it
0: <laughs> i think it, i think that is a bit that it's a big problem maybe maybe particularly for british people maybe you you found that because you yes. just, so yeah this idea of having full body contact with someone and someone sweating all over you <laughs> it, 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 it's a barrier for a lot of people
1: yes it is yes it is i think all all of this obviously is about the instructors now you 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 have to make your your student as comfortable as possible. In the beginning, it was a bit difficult because a lot of people came to the to the gym either to challenge you or to see if you were really if you were reasonable enough to to handle them. And and some others obviously had knew nothing and wanted to start learning Jiu-Jitsu. So there was a, a quite a big contrast in that sense because of the UFC, Jitsu came came out into the world as. Uh, uh sort of M- mma mix oh i want to do jiu cuz i saw uh, the the ufc say wait a minute that's one thing jiu jitsu is about that it will prepare you for that but after after a number of years everybody in the entire world started learning jiu jitsu so They added this to their own game and that's what happened that was what was happening here in the beginning. I had a lot of black belts from a lot of other modalities that were not interested in self defense or or, or that kind of thing. They wanted to learn groundwork. They already had there were black belts in their own so they could handle themselves very easily. So this was a factor that happened in a lot of gyms, they skipped that initial part, how to defend yourself, martial art as a as a whole. Over the years, that kept changing, and now uh, these days, I think jujitsu is is getting back to where it should should have been years ago. You 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 learn your self defense, you learn how to defend yourself, and you have the groundwork. If you're a competitor, you go compete. If not, you don't. Not everybody goes to a gym to compete. Ninety percent of the people that go to a gym don't want to compete. Do
0: you think Do you think some jujitsu schools are guilty of forgetting the self defense aspect? I wouldn't I wouldn't want to put them like oh you're guilty because you're not doing this or that it's
1: I think it's a choice the the instructor when he opens up a gym he has he has the choice he's a black belt he knows what he learned he knows what he has to teach his students to be good so if you want to run your school only for competitive style sort of thing i can guarantee you that you're not going to be it'll be successful You'll have tough guys and all that. But there's a whole a whole range of people that would be missing out in not going to your gym because of that, specifically because of that. I know that. I have experience in that. And I've seen, Uh, you know, sometimes you're running a really hardcore session. A guy out of the blue, oh, can I have a look? He just walked through the door. Yeah, sit down, have a look. He looks at the guys that are training for a competition class or, or training a, a bit a bit harder. He looks at that said, "Whoa, that's not for me. I can't <laughs> I can't do that. I'm not that aggressive. I'm not that You you can actually make him he, he doesn't know it yet. You can actually make him get to that point. Just have to give yourself a little bit of time. But at the same time, you, you don't want, you want him to feel as comfortable as possible. As he walked in the door, I said, no, because the mentality of the Jiu Jitsu martial art is, is very Brazilian, is very accommodating and, and laughter and having fun and sparring, but still having fun and learning and, and making friends and going out. Into the other academies or around the world. Nowadays, you can get your gear if you're going to travel somewhere. You can go practically anywhere in the world, and there will be somewhere for you to have a, a little training session if you want.
0: It is a wonderfully friendly community because yeah. for me, going to karate clubs and kickboxing clubs growing up, these were quite kind of aggressive places in that people would look at you wondering who you were, and it was and it was that kind of slightly macho. Um, atmosphere th- whereas yeah, jiu-jitsu just they welcome although it's tough when you're on the mat oh, yeah. but as a place they they yeah. welcome everyone in yeah it's, it's not as
1: strict I think those martial arts are very strict in the sense that they came from early from Japan and the, they, the mentality is actually almost a military regime inside the gym and jiu-jitsu is not about that at all Jiu-Jitsu is very relaxed, very rewarding, very compensating. People, uh <laughs> they, Jiu-Jitsu gyms, not, they can even work as therapy sessions. <laughs> I,
0: I heard you mention this in a in a previous interview. You talked about it as therapy, and it made me laugh because I was thinking to somebody outside of Jiu-Jitsu, they all know that at its core, it's a martial art. You know, it, and it became famous for overpowering larger opponents and it's, it's a fighting art but to think of a therapy which involves strangling people I think might be strange to the outsider
1: it, it can be yeah if you if you uh, say it like that yeah so oh my god how can that be a therapy at all but it's not it's not only the the environment of you trying to beat your opponent and him trying to beat you up it, it it happens in a way obviously it can go rough but it can also go very very likeable like i was training yesterday obviously with with a friend of mine and we we talk and train at the same time and then he does a move he swept me or i swept him and he said hey oh my god you got you got it. so you 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 make that into a very relaxed environment and that's what we try to give to all of our students. They are relaxed. They are comfortable. They come to the gym. A lot of times you hear guys, girls, women, oh, I had a really bad day at work. I just want to sit here. Or my my wife is is really bothering me today. Or my husband is really bothering me today. They go to the gym. They do a session. They train or not. Sometimes you only do the positions. You only do the warm-up. And then I don't want to train today. Or you just sit there and watch, or sit in the bench, or talk with people that are coming in, and that's the whole thing about Jiu-Jitsu. The difference is, I think, that it's that welcoming family environment that that
0: we try to uh,
1: give to our students.
0: Yeah, I certainly agree, and it certainly works for me. But was it was it different back in Rio? Because you've been in the UK what about twenty years now? Twenty-two. Twenty-two years. So growing, growing up back in Brazil, was it when it wasn't so well known? Because I guess you were at the age when not everybody knew what jiu-jitsu was about. Even back then in, in Brazil, in the beginning, when we were all friends,
1: this, this environment all, always existed. Obviously, in those days, the, the core people that did jiu-jitsu wasn't that big, it started Re- to really grow, I think, more in, in the 80s. And then then it started to pick up. More academies started to open open up, and um, we hardly had any competition. If When we did, we would all try to compete because we didn't know when the other one would come. And in that aspect, I think the IBJJF, a lot of people criticized them, but, man, they did a wonderful job they spread jiu throughout the world throughout these competitions a lot of it, and yeah there's the 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 competition side of jujitsu, which is sometimes a bit annoying people playing only by the rule set and not and forgetting that he's supposed to be there to make the guy tap to finish the guy up and not score a point but anyway that's that their their choice
0: so competing back then was it um more or less like competitions now or did you also still have the gym battles where you'd get like karate guys coming in to challenge you this sort of thing
1: no no all all that was done before the carlos and elio and carson and the the first generation of, of gracies that did, did all that for us when when i started well i started when i was a kid but by the time i was a uh, in my late teens uh we were there was obviously the battles of, uh, of of academies oh we have that academy in jejuka we have to do well this 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 competition because we want to win or whatever but there was <laughs> there was this academy called kyoto the 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 head instructor was francisco masu he's a he's a red belt grandmaster and um he's a very nice guy and um he he had so many students That he would fill up all the categories of every, so he would. They would always win on points because they had more students. But it was battles after battles. It was nice. It was good. Halls used to compete. It was nice to see Halls compete. Oh my god!
0: What was because people that don't know Halls Gracie tragically died very young. Yeah, (laughs) Halls Halls was a very fearless
1: person. I think he he liked the the five life he had life gives you warnings he 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 died of a uh, hang gliding accident and he had two accidents before the fatal one he was warned twice but it was i think his mission on earth was completed he had to go
0: so what age was he
1: he was 31 Um, it was on the, (laughs) it's a very odd date. It's the 6th of June of 82. And the 6th of June is, I don't know if you know that, but Robert Kennedy died on the 6th of June. D-Day was on the 6th of June.
0: Several things throughout
1: history on the 6th of June. Funny.
0: But he was a friend as much as an instructor to you. Yeah, a friend. He was my
1: brother-in-law because he was, uh, my my wife's uh, at the time uh, brother so we used to hang out a lot and um i think he saw in me a very good potential uh, fighter that's why he invited me to to be an instructor in his new gym and we got along really well and yeah we were friends we used to travel go to his uh, to the houses that they had in the mountains we used to train run Climb hills, work out.
0: It was a very, very rewarding time. And what was it about Holes Gracie that made him such a influential figure? Was it some? Was it did he have physical attributes, mental attributes, a combination of those?
1: I would say that it's a combination of them. He was a overall very. He was very intelligent. Very. Uh, Quick in his thoughts and always uh, very open-minded to the world, you know and his mom used to work for I think Delta Airlines or something I think it was Delta and he would have access to air tickets so he used to travel a lot sometimes he would go to New York to spend the weekend come back to Rio and things like that go to Mexico, see something, come back and um yeah the, so we we had in him like this figure of man he's, he he was good looking he 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 was a good fighter he could beat anybody up at the time and and he was always interested in in learning more and that was that alone is an inspiration you, know, you see a person at that level said oh guy okay he can settle down and relaxed no he was eager to learn more and 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 digging to see what else he could learn what else he could compete what else he could bring us or how he could take us to the next level he was that kind of guy he was he was a uh, it was nice to be around it was fun it was just, uh, funny and could be tough when he needed to be and he would tell us off when he needed to do And yeah, we all, all of us, everybody that I know. I don't know anybody that would say anything bad about Halls. No, it's just one of those guys that you meet in life. Then said, "My God!" And usually these people they come, they come and go. Their mission here is complete before the the, the, we think.
0: When he died, did it? Were you were you torn between wanting to? push forward his legacy as you obviously have done, but at the time were you were you talking between wanting to push forward his legacy and, and kind of feeling disheartened because your instructor and friend I stopped did training. go.
1: On? I stopped training for a while. For how long? Well, properly? So years. Years. Yeah. Yeah. So you I were, didn't I didn't you know when you had we had so much there and all of them poof. Went away in, in the air. So he didn't have, he only had like six black belts. And we all kind of scattered to the wind. Jacare built his own school. Master had his own business. The other three got jobs just like me. And um, I think, and it took me, you know, when you don't, you go to a gym and you don't fit, not that because they treated you badly or something like that, you just, it's not the same thing so you go to another because you i had a lot of friends that had gyms so i could actually go anywhere and and train or see them but i just just couldn't it took me about four or five years maybe and then Hensel opened his first gym in in rio in near my house actually and then i started again then i didn't stop
0: so in that four or five years did you Trained like occasionally, or yeah, probably once or twice a week, something I like just just keep it going. And before, so before that, you'd been a young, because you're younger than holes. You were a young black belt, but you know, fairly still fairly early on in your yeah. jiu-jitsu career. Mm-hmm. What was it like going back after that big gap?
1: Well, it was it was not easy because uh, people. A lot of people that you knew now were higher belts and all that, but the mentality was was always there. Just keep on going, you know. Just keep on training. You get better. It's your your timing gets goes back. Feel fine. Then I started training again, and then I uh, after a few year or two or something like that, was went to New York. Henze. he moved to New York. Mm-hmm. So then again, I <laughs> oh man, what am I gonna do now? Where am I going to train? Same thing happened.
0: Oh, and so you'd, you spent a couple of years training under another amazing, yeah. Jiu-Jitsu practitioner. And then he <laughs> he left.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he moved to New York. So what what where, did you do then? And then, luckily for me, uh, another good friend opened his gym near my house, Adishezi Paiva, and he's uh, he's the one of the head of the, of the alliance team. It's him, Fabio Gugel, and Jacare which are the same lineage as host, because Jacare is one of the, the black belts uh, as, as I am.
0: The famous five or six? Six, invasion. yeah, we
1: were six. And um, so, Ali Prive, Jacare is uh, black belt. So, but he's a very excellent guy. So I stayed with him. And every time I go to Brazil, I change. But now he moved to the, in the United States just before the COVID thing happened. He was living in Idaho. Uh. I don't know why, but <laughs> <laughs> he moved to Idaho. <laughs> no, I don't know where I'm going to train. About train probably. The, uh, his son is still has the gym, but there are other friends because Rio is a very... Uh, I live in the south zone, the Ipanema, Leblon, Copacabana. I don't know if you've ever been to Rio, but that's where I live. That's where I used to live. So to go to Baja, that's why I, I never went to Gracie Baja, only at when Roger started competing then i then I joined I started going to Great Baja more and more because it's very far away, and the traffic is really bad. It'll take you from Ipanema to Baja at least a couple of hours, so it's a nightmare to get to mm-hmm. so yeah, I'd rather stay around where I live. There's Zabeleza that has his gym uh, near near me and other friends too. A lot of people left in Rio there's a lot in america i think very f- some some came to europe
0: well, It's spread out all around the world and you you you've been referred to as the godfather of british jiu-jitsu because of what you've done to popularize it in this country you know have you heard this godfather of british jiu-jitsu
1: yeah it's really you, annoying. Isn't you it? don't like that oh i don't know why
0: you don't like that i find it weird do you yeah well, because it's because it's because of the word Godfather, or because yeah. of the juxtaposition of British and Jiu Jitsu. Because it's no,
1: I, I, I hear about Godfather. The, the first thing that comes
0: to mind is the film, the Godfather, oh. that that I really, really love. Oh, that's not so bad then. Uh, there are worse things to be associated with. I mean, no, no one thinks you're a crime boss. No, no,
1: it's not that. But why the why the the. Time, there were. I wasn't the first. There were other people here teaching. There was Shane Marage, Mark Walder was already a blue belt teaching in uh, East London, and there was Ireland's. It was a, a brown belt at the time teaching here too. I. I think I. I can. There were uh, Dickie and Simon with the Carson Gracie team that has always been there. So I think I can. I can say that. I did my contribution to the jiu-jitsu in this country by, you know, putting it out there and bringing people over to do seminars, and Enzo came right away
0: to help, and others came. Well, that's very modest of you, but, I mean, you have you definitely done a lot for the for jiu-jitsu in this country. You are saying Holes, Holes saw you as having physical gifts, because when, when jiu-jitsu hit the UFC and became world famous, it was seen because of Hoyce Gracie and some of the guys he fought, it was seen as like how a little a guy could overpower these big guys with, with technique. You're also quite a big guy, so it almost seems unfair. You've got the jujitsu and you're a big guy as well. So the combination <laughs> together, I guess, <laughs> makes quite a formidable fighter, right? Yeah, it was not bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not <really> bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not
1: bad. It's, it's, I can still do my job, but what I learn now is with my son and my nephew and the kids in the gym. It's very rewarding. You know, it's so nice to be able to finally now settle down and when we can open. I don't know when, but you know, to have that, to work to be able to work with your with your son is very is very rewarding and him being who he is it's it's nice
0: i mean Roger's record Roger's record speaks for itself what what age was he when you kind of thought mm, actually he's not just going to be okay at this he could be the greatest
1: i think it came from him but in his when he really he we i always pushed him to do jiu jitsu since he was uh, young but he, he he was a bit lazy at at some some stages uh but when he was like 14 or 15 he went to visit his cousins in the south of brazil and i when they saw him there they said uh oh. he was a little, little bit chubby i said no way you can't be a Gracie and and be like that. So they lived on a farm. So they would go out. Uh, when they would go back to the house, they would stop the car in the in the farm. Now get out of the car. You run to the house to earn your breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he started there. I think that's when it clicked on him. Said, Oh, I gotta train, because then it it's kind of sort of you have. Cousins and uncles and everybody. So, what are you, are you training? Why are you not training? That's train with him a bit. So you get beaten up by your own cousin. Said, "Whoa, oh, I don't want that. I want to beat him next time." So you start training, and automatically that comes into your system. So he did his first world championship as a blue belt, and I remember at that time. Yeah, I think you would have to have like 15 fights or something like that uh, in one day. And I don't know how those blue belts do that, man. <laughs> they do 15, 16 fights in one day.
0: Imagine.
1: Whew. So he was world champion as a blue belt and then as a purple. And, and at some point, I think he was back then, right there and then, he told his mother and said, I'm going to be the best fighter in the world. And
0: he was. So this is kind of as a teenager. He was in his late sixteen, seventeen. But did you did you teach him the basics when he was tiny, or nope, no, no? Well, for a very, very long
1: time, I, I did this with all my kids. Some of them said, "Oh, you were re- you were really annoying with that." Like they're walking in the living room, and then you grab and put in your garden. <laughs> Get out of there. <laughs> So they struggle, 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 <laughs> put them back in the guard again, and they struggle, 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 put him back in the guard again or, or do something like that just to annoy them. They understand now this is me telling them how much I love them, you know? You always do something to, you know, make them think about, oh, wait a minute, okay, what do I do now? How do I get out of here? Even my daughters, they all know how to defend themselves. My youngest is a black belt in kickboxing as well. Really? She trains jujitsu, but not as much. She teaches kickboxing in Rio. In
0: With competing in jiu-jitsu, I mean there are there are risks to your health, you know, you can pop things, but MMA is a different a different thing really. What's it what's it like to watch your son competing in in a cage, you know, fighting for UFC or whatever?
1: Yeah, I think it changed a lot when I saw him. Roger did the most beautiful competition. To this day, out of all of Roger's competitions, I know there were many of them. And by the end, the IBJJF uh, put out uh, like a percentage of wins and submissions and for I don't know how many competitions, world competitions, a lot of them. And Roger was number one in submissions. And number two was Shanji Biru. But he came in second and he had 50% of Roger's submissions. So it was a very, Roger's uh, thing was always very high in many people. So I, th- when I saw him compete, he started, he went to Hanzo in 2003 to train, 2002. 2002 to train for the, for the Abu Dhabi championship in 2003 which he didn't win uh, he came in second but he won Zmitry Sperry which was a huge name at the time and um and his he had to fight his cousin uh Machado Higan. he won too but he lost his last fight the guy had him in a body triangle and it took a while to get out. By the time he got out, he lost. So, because of that, he got Rogers like that. Sometimes he gets uh, he gets very determined in his ways. He said I'm gonna, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna win this. So they they made him in 2005. He said, uh, we can't put you in the competition. You're gonna have to do the trials in Brazil, even though he was living here. So we went to Sao Paulo. And he had to do three fights. He submitted all three. And then we went on to that was the first time I saw the pyramid in Long Beach, California, where they do the Worlds. Amazing gymnasium. And Roger did, at that weekend, he submitted eight opponents. Eight guys that, man, he, he tapped Chandy twice Fabricio Verdun, Ronaldo Jacaré. And others that remember,
0: massive names, massive themselves. names that
1: are that are still there, around, fighting, and that was a beautiful weekend, and he was so pleased, and then I I saw the, okay, Nogi is good, but when he actually we went, his first fight was in Vancouver, Canada, a guy called Ron Waterman. Roger had, he was training in New York. Like always for his fights, so he caught a Saturday night. the The fight would have been the following weekend. He got out of the gym, and he got a, a bit chilly because he was sweating and it was freezing. And he got a flu. He got 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 a cold, and we had to go to we had to fly to Canada. And man. He had fever. He had. He was sweating. He was poorly. Mon Sunday, Monday. We this. We already in Vancouver. Sunday, Monday, and losing weight, and couldn't uh, do anything. Couldn't even train that week, and we took a guy with us so he could. They could train. Couldn't do anything, and um, <laughs> we didn't get garlic to eat. Garlic, <laughs> I hate garlic. <laughs>
0: We're trying all the old wives' tales to see what <laughs> yeah. worked,
1: but he got a bit better by Thursday. He did the weigh-in on 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 the Friday, and Ron Waterman? I know if if you ever saw him, but he's a he's a massive guy. He's huge, 125 kilos or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> he took his shirt off for the weigh-in. Roger took his like Roger lost weight. He was 98. Well, ninety six kilos. He Roger's tall. He looked thin, near the uh, close to the guy, <laughs> and I uh, said, "Oh my God, man, why are we here?" And yeah, it's part of the process, I guess. So, and he won in like two minutes or three. Got the guy threw him on the floor, bang, and Roger snapped up for an armbar. Roger's quite a big guy, man. Ron lift lift Roger up from the floor with one arm, <laughs> poof! And slammed him again, but Roger just adjusted the the armbar even even more, and ah, he had to tap. He couldn't even stretch his hand to shake hands, and anything. thing it was just so tight. And um, that was when I actually felt when you see your son, because he managed to Roger didn't never got really hit really hard, but uh, in the face. But when you see your son getting hit in the face. It's, it's it's it's
0: weird it must be hard it must be pretty it's hard it's not easy <laughs> no.
1: even though we come from a family of fighters and i have watching fights my whole life but always other guys friends or what have you but when it's your son it things change a bit you get a bit emotional uh, it, but i think it was his choice he he did 10 fights. He won eight, lost two. And he decided to stop when he won that belt in the uh, 1FC. And that was it. That was the end of his MMA career. He didn't want to fight anymore. I think at that point, Roger was already thinking about, oh, I, I've been doing this a lot. Jiu-Jitsu, he had stopped in 20, 2010, was his last Jiu-Jitsu match, a, a championship his last match was with, with Busheshana three years ago. But I think he did what he needed to do. He doesn't feel like he doesn't have the motivation now to keep on competing. I think he in his mind
0: he's he's settled down. We certainly nothing left to, to prove in either no. in either discipline. Were you partly relieved when he retired from?
1: Um I knew that It would only be get harder and harder because you, no matter how you want to put it, you know we can we can. I'm I'm 65. I still train. I still teach. I still do a lot of things that some people my age can't can't do. But I try to look after myself a bit. And I think what happened in in Roger's mind is what what you see a lot. In, in, in fighters is as they grow in their careers and, and they don't get to a point where they said, okay, it's time, it's, it's enough for me, I, I'm, I'm going to step down, let the boat go on. People get older, and no matter how you want to put it, our sport is very close contact sport. So to be on a, on a high-level profession that these guys are like Roger Shanji Bushesha, Zakarel, they're on a, a different level. They're 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 athletes. They're of a very high high standards. So the training to 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 maintain yourself like that is is very very hard. You know, it's a life of sacrifice. It's a life of. You you have to put away a lot of things and not do anything for. Year Roger completed for twenty years, from sixteen to twenty to thirty-six. So training and training and training and training that that hammers your, your your body down. You know, at some point you you have to train and wake up and eat well, and that goes on for the, for the whole length of your, of your life, and you don't really do anything, and. Uh, Roger could, got to a point in his career now that I think he thought, okay, it's time I'm gonna stop competing and look after his gym and teach more and and worry about what's gonna how or what is he, what is he gonna do in in his later years. You see a lot of fighters trying. It's very, especially in the UFC, you see a lot of guys that are still. Older and they're they're still fighting the and the fight uh, not so good. I remember when the to kicked uh, Randy Couture in the face and there was teeth everywhere. That was so sad to see. Such an excellent fighter. Sometimes they don't know when oh time to stop now, but sometimes they keep on fighting because either they need the money or they can't live without that uh, adrenaline kick that gives you, you huh? know.
0: Yeah, anything that involves striking, it's tough to see someone go on too long, whether it's boxing or MMA, you know, someone like Randy Couture that maybe could have quit before. But one of the appealing things about jiu-jitsu, certainly to me, is that it's something you can do for your whole life.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I think just Roger doesn't want to compete as masters or seniors, I don't know why.
0: No. But
1: But, uh, he said he doesn't find, he doesn't have that motivation anymore to actually, oh, I'm going to really... Train now to, to to fight. I think he's he's done that for so long that now he's oh, nah.
0: Well, he's got he's got a full life's work ahead of him if he wants it. Teaching seminars. I mean, there's no end of people who want to no, want is. to learn from him. And he yeah. still trains
1: anybody that. Well, not now obviously, but uh he's always uh, keeping himself uh, well. He trains with all the students He he's the one that runs the competition classes uh, you invite people from other gyms to come and train
0: you said you're 65 now still looking in great shape do you thank you <laughs> yeah, have, have you um have you had to change the way you train over the years because you got to a you started when you were a kid right and then yeah. got to a high level pretty young and then yeah. you had that time off but did you have you had to as you went through forty fifty and even into sixty do you have you had to adapt what you do a lot?
1: I'm always adapting always adapting there's a lot of positions or situations that I don't fight for it anymore. I just let it happen for example uh, if I'm defending my guard for those who don't know when we land when we put our backs on the floor we're defending our guard if that means that we're trying to keep the person in a in, in front of us, not coming to the side where can we can be attacked. Um, so some of that this position is just too straining, or you're training with. I, and I train. I choose very very carefully who I'm going to spar with. You don't want a really 120 kilo clumsy person that doesn't know that much coming to try to hurt you, because if you don't want. It, it, Take care of yourself. So it's not that they want to. Sometimes people do it like a, a sudden move or something like that, and oof, then you get hurt. And then in my age, everything, is, is takes longer to recover. So yeah, I look after myself. I I, I train very carefully, trying not to hurt myself, because that means that I, I have to take time off, and and it's not good. So you just have to pace yourself as uh, as a, you age, and that will come naturally for people. Well, you can't expect to be fifty and trained in equal terms with a twenty-five-year-old. That's impossible. That's not going to happen. With all the experience that you have, if you, if obviously, if it's a high-level fighter, oh man, no. If you can survive for like five ten minutes fine that's all you should want you can't expect more than that but you still being able to train that's that's rewarding that's very nice
0: because I guess being able to rein it in is a very important part of the game for lots of things being able to control your ego and ego that's it
1: <laughs> you have to leave your ego aside man if if you get caught something, that it doesn't mean anything, you know. You have nothing to prove after a certain age. So, if you get submitted for some reason, or because you weren't paying attention, or because you just couldn't bother, or you're training with a student, it doesn't matter what happens anyway. Yeah, things happen. It doesn't matter. It, nothing matters. It, it people have to understand that after somebody taps or after the buzzer goes you have this the life is like life giving you a second chance <laughs> all right let's start again <laughs> nah? and then you can do whatever you want to do okay oh time okay let's start again i'm gonna do better now
0: <laughs> yeah when you see those people that they hate getting tapped and they're like furious when they're getting tapped, normally they don't last. And from what I've seen,
1: that's what Jiu Jitsu brings to the table. That balance. You you have to learn how to lose, but you have to learn how to win as well. You can't just think that. Oh, I won today. I'm the king of the hill. <laughs> you won't be tomorrow. <laughs> You, there's always ups and downs. Always ups and downs. There's no such thing as a guy I've never lost in my life, or who you're trying to fool.
0: <laughs> no, which was which. Th- this was what you could get away in the old pre-UFC days. You could get people used to get away for, with this like pretending they knew some magical martial art that never got tested. But yeah, with jujitsu, it it goes through the goes through the grinder every time you every time every time you train and nah, you- it 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 will. Teach you something every time. That's why you you can
1: expe- expect and you can see that people come out of the gym humbled or happy. It will teach you how to behave. And we, we talked about jujitsu being a therapy and all of that. It, you know, I I I apply and I I put jitsu I think not only because I've been doing it my whole life, but I apply the the principles of of our martial art in in everything I do in life. You know, on my, on how you handle things, on how you see things in life, on how you relate to people. And you learn so much with that, and it's 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 something that always attracted. I think that attracts a lot of people is tra- being able to translate the martial arts to your everyday life. Simple stuff like you're watching TV and you want st- to you want to sit up and say, wait a minute, put the hand on the floor and do a technical stand up. <laughs> it works.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I I don't know why you mentioned something simple like standing up. It's almost like we we have to make things hard for ourselves. So you'll see an older person trying to stand up with just their legs. Whereas, yeah, yeah you've got hands, hands, you've got things to lean yeah. on. You don't have to... You, you should be doing things in the most efficient way yeah. possible. Uh, what,
1: what what do you see a lot in, in uh, white belts that just started in your gym training? The, the, you put them with their back on the floor and some of them are strong, so they're, they're holding and they're throwing and they're pushing and they're bench pressing and what have you. And you look at them and said, why are you struggling so much? You forgot that you have two legs to use. So that's that's not only here. It starts with you have four limbs. Use them. And then a hip escape. Get out of the way. Do simple things that will help you. Sometimes a little adjustment will go a long way. Now when you, what's the first thing that you learn when you, hip escape, hip escape, hip escape, hip escape. Hip escape. Oh this is boring. I had an ins- a, a teacher one of my first ones. He was a very strict person. He was a police officer and and he used to m- make us do weird things in the beginning class like stand up and you have to close your eyes and you your you uh, stretch your hands and you you have to find your nose every single time <laughs> with your hand like and then and then he used to put us through hipscape through the the mat back and forth. Back and forth, and we used to look at it. nobody would say anything. Obviously, we just look at, it. keep on going. <laughs> this is the best thing you're gonna learn in Jiu-Jitsu, and it is that little movement that you do by moving your hips and 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 getting away from the person will give you enough distance to bring a limb in, to get away, to stand up, or to do what, what have you, gets. Gets you off that uh, suffocation or whatever it is. Or in, in self-defense, like just using just a simple frame. Here, this is my frame. This is my private space. You're not coming in.
0: Perhaps the perhaps the thing that translates best to everyday life is not panicking. Yes, because absolutely.
1: When somebody is mounted on you. <laughs> you want anything worse than that for somebody that doesn't know what they're doing? Mount on somebody or put your knee on belly Or have a strong side control, suffocating the person on the side. My God, man. That's when they actually, a lot of people have difficulties in handling these situations. They panic. They literally panic. They have problems with that feeling, that overwhelming feeling of somebody so close and suffocating you. I've seen that happen in the gym, and you, the instructors have to be very, very aware in the beginner's class to, to identify the, the people that have these issues and help them throughout the, that, that, beginning, that uh, beginning of their journey in, in the martial art in dealing with that process. Breathe. Learn to breathe. Breathe. Let the air out. Relax. There's nothing going on. It's just a little bit of weight on top. And then you manage to, and then you start learning ways of getting yourself better, being able to breathe. Or if things are are not the way you want them to be or not happy, tap or ask to stop and go over again. And we'll start again or we'll give you more information to help you with that specific situation.
0: Because I can still remember that feeling of panic, you know, the suffocating panic. But of course, whether it's panic because someone's on top of you or panic because you're in a difficult situation, job interview, confrontation, anything like that. It's the same mentality, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Because you have something which could potentially make you panic and you need to as calmly as possible, decide... Decide which which way to go. Yeah, which option to take. And, and and thankfully, most of life, there's not someone trying to strangle you, so your options are fairly fairly simple in comparison. Do yeah. I say this or say that, do this, do that, but... Do, or
1: do, do I just walk away?
0: Just walk away, yeah.
1: Most likely, that's the best option. Just walk away. You don't need to confront anything or, unless you're being actually... There. Confronted in a situation where you can't. That's that's one of the main things that you teach in self-defense, especially uh, when you're teaching kids and, and uh, people that are just starting, kids, women, men, you know, that initial situation where they think, oh, I learned a few moves of, of self-defense. Oh, I'm really good to go. I can then take the person down and try something. No, that's not the point. The point is you having you being able to defend yourself, getting rid of that specific situation, and then get away, call for help, or what have you. Unless you're fighting for your life, which is, then that's another level. Yeah, that's why jiu-jitsu is so popular in the armed forces and and all the first responders. It's very e- easy to learn uh, some ways of. Uh, Defending yourself against somebody that wants to do harm to you.
0: But it's my it's it seems to me that the better you get a jiu-jitsu, the calmer you are and the less likely you are to
1: It's because you get, get used to being in difficult situations. And after that's why people when they're training, uh, especially in the beginning, you do a lot of specific training. And people shouldn't forget that that's what that's what's gonna make their, their jiu jitsu grow and learn and be good it's it's the actual specific sparring and training i hate being having somebody on side control okay then train that position or i hate having somebody in the mount train that so you can get when that happens you don't get that oh well what do i do not know i'm used to this i know what to do you breathe you look at the person okay Let's let's go. No, no no worries here. Not a problem whatsoever. I know how to handle myself. I know what to do. Breathe and do whatever you have to
0: do. Amazing. Well Jiu Jitsu's been incredibly important to me and Mauricio Gomez, it's been a great pleasure to have you in the studio. Well, thank you. The thank is you so much. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thanks very much again to Sensei Mauricio Gomez. Find out more at MauricioGomezBJJ.com. He's MauricioGomez.BJJ on Instagram. And you can see the online videos that he does with his son, Roger, at TV.com And Roger Gracie is at Roger Gracie on Instagram. Healthy Beast is at Healthy Beast Podcast on Instagram. Thank you very much.